This is Bruce Jetai, Director of Football at Adelaide United Football Club, and you're watching Legends with Bevo. Welcome to Legends with Bevo. Thanks to Anytime Fitness Glenel. The great Bruce Jitte, great to have you on Legends with Bevo for a chat, mate. Um, it's all happening at the moment at the Reds, unfortunately, for all the wrong reasons, uh, with one of our marquee players, James Troisi, leaving the club within the last couple of days, obviously, two weeks prior to the season kicking off. Not ideal, mate. Uh, what's been happening? Tell us all about it. Yeah, it's obviously not ideal, but, um, you know, we got an email on the weekend from his father saying that, that you know, he requested a termination of his, his, his contract. Um, in September, originally, uh, when we didn't know what the distribution would be from the football federation uh, to the clubs, when when we still had a full roster of players, we hadn't done any business in the in the transfer market. So you know, Riley McGree, Paul Izzo, Nikola Milayuznic, Lachlan Brook, um, players that have since uh, been sold overseas or, or departed to to, to overseas, um, they were all still on our books. So you know, we we made the financial uh, decision that um, we need to let the more expensive players, James being one of them, um, give them the opportunity to, to speak to other clubs. Because quite frankly, we just couldn't afford to to keep those players. You know, when you know, I did a radio interview yesterday, um, KG and Wildy, and you know, they were like, "Well, you know, maybe you didn't feel like it was wanted." But you know, my <laughs> my rebuttal to that is, you know, it's a COVID world, the distribution ended up going from 3.2 odd million to 1.7 odd million. You know, there's industries the world over um, making difficult financial decisions. Uh, this was a difficult financial decision for us, but you know, the Qantas pilots are just as good as they've always been. If there's no planes to fly, then, you know, it's very hard to, to meaningfully employ them. You know, the, all the AFL clubs that are making uh, redundancies on mass isn't because uh, their staff are no longer any good, but there's some financial implications that COVID has caused um, certain industries that have made tough decisions. Uh, you know, you have to make tough decisions. So telling James that he was free to speak to, to, to other clubs was one of those difficult financial uh, decisions. But uh, very soon after that uh, meeting and discussion, um, we sold Riley, we sold Lachlan Brook, Nikola Milayuznic went to Denmark, and we sold um, Paul Izzo. So very quickly our financial uh, uh, situation changed, um, and especially without Riley, it was made clear to James in October um, that he was an important member of the, the, the team. Um, we were going to bring in reinforcements, as we have done with a host of players, including Tommy Urich and Harvey Lopez and that um, he was a required player, important player. He would be playing as number 10 last season. He was deployed as the number eight most most games because Riley was, was you know, uh, certainly our, our most impactful player in that number 10 position. So um, things changed relatively quickly. It was made very clear to, to James in, in October that was the case. He was happy to hear that. Carl had numerous discussions with him about the way he wants him to play this season, his importance in the group. Um, James was happy with that. He was training well. He was, he was performing well. Um, so for then two weeks out from the season to, to get an email saying he wants to, to, to terminate his, his contract was 
extremely disappointing, as I've, I've said in numerous interviews. Um, and, you know, the fact is, you know, last week when there were a few articles about Wanderers' interest in him, um, I spoke to James directly and, and he said, you know, those articles are, are fabricated, you know, there's no truth to them. So to then get that, that email on the weekend is, is was extremely disappointing. Yeah, you've answered it really well, Bruce. And, and, you know, I can see why, you know, previously he was looking elsewhere. But like you said, you, you actually explained it to him that he's a wanted player. And we understand with the whole COVID situation that, you know, the money cap is, or salary cap's been cut dramatically this year or for this coming season. Um, so, yes. yeah, it does sound very bizarre. Was there any bad blood between James and the club? Because to just come out and just leave like that, it just seems like such a weird situation. Yeah, it does seem, it does. Look, look it took us by, um, uh, you know, it was certainly not what we were expecting. You know, I did an interview this morning and I was explaining um, on, on that program um, that if the discussions throughout October and November when we were saying that he's a required player and he's an important player um, for the team, if the discussion um, was, you know, from him that, you know what, I actually felt really disappointed and upset when I was told I was able to speak to other clubs. I felt unwanted, you know, um, I'm not particularly happy, et cetera, et cetera then it's a different thing because then you, you, you expect him to, to, to perhaps uh, make a move. But that wasn't the basis of any of the discussions. All these discussions with Carl were very positive. He was, he was keen to be a part of the team, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So um, it's, 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 it's that, uh, that that has taken um, everyone by surprise in the sense that, uh, you know, he was training well, he was playing well, he was, you know, saying all the right things um, and we expect him to, to stay for the season. So, a bit of a U-turn and, and the timing just uh, not ideal. Are you disappointed in the Western Sydney Wanderers as well for getting involved in this? Well, look, we, we, we uh, emailed the Western Sydney Wanderers six to eight weeks ago, I can't, I can't recall exactly when, because um, they did inquire about him. Formally, you know, they send an email. We'd like to speak to James. Um, you know, are we? You know, is he a required player or not? You know, he's coming to us saying he's free to speak to other clubs. We went back to Western Sydney Wanderers and said he's a required player. We'd appreciate if he didn't approach the player. You know, so that obviously hasn't been the case. Um, and you know, I've I've tried to contact them and. and have no back from him, so I look forward to seeing him at the next game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, bring that on when we play them. That's going to be awesome. It's almost going to be like the old uh, Melbourne Victory versus Adelaide days. Hey, Bruce. We'll add a bit of spice to the <laughs> to the to the clash. That's for sure. <laughs> hey, uh, in the meantime, though, obviously the season starts in a couple of weeks, like you mentioned before. Have we started looking for a replacement yet? Yeah, we've started looking for a replacement uh, immediately. So. Um, those discussions are ongoing and, and we'll keep looking for a replacement. It's not easy to find and not just difficult to find, but also it's uh, difficult to get people into the country. <laughs> yeah. So um, challenges abound, but, you know, that's that's our job. And, you know, it's not just me scrambling for players. I mean, there's there's a whole host of uh, people in that office that that are working very hard to, to find a replacement and, and to the right process in to, to make sure that whoever that replacement is can get into Australia. 
And let's talk about your role as football director of Adelaide United. Congratulations on that, mate. You're doing a wonderful job. Um, what a year, though, to start with all the challenges we've had this year with COVID. Yeah, it's been a very interesting year, but, you know, that's the best way to learn. Um, challenging times. People show their true colours in challenging times. And, um, you know, you learn the most through challenging times. You know, uh, People talk about content and context knowledge. I mean, you know, there's no book, no content you could have read that would have prepared anyone um, in leadership positions uh, for the challenges that COVID has presented. Um, you know, having the experience of going, getting, going through it, getting through it and still dealing with it on a, on a day-to-day basis. Um, it's fantastic experience and, and will help a lot of organisations and, and a lot of individuals um, improve themselves and uh, you know, be able to better, ha- better handle and be more experienced in, in handling these sorts of situations. And if you can handle the, the difficult situations, then it makes the, the more simple in, uh, situations easier to handle as well. And it's very very exciting this year because we've got Carl Beard as the coach, um, a former legend player himself as well, like you. And then obviously we've got Ross Aloisi involved and and also Tommy Urich. So it's a bit of a, uh, a an old school situation there with all these guys coming back to the club, which is super exciting, Bruce. Yeah, super exciting. So it's uh, the culture we're trying to build. It's, it's, it's very South Australian focused. Doesn't mean we won't look overseas for players. It doesn't mean that our team will be 100% South Australian, but... You know, I'm I'm very proud with the, the coaching staff, the, the the playing group, and you know the direction the club's going. I think it's the the best way to remain sustainable. It's the best way to engage with fans, and that's what we 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 plan on doing. And uh, and you know, it's not it's one thing to bring success on the pitch. It's also important for us to be successful off the pitch. So it's important to find that balance. It's important to have experienced players. It's important to promote youth. So. We've got to find the balance on a lot of these things, but I think we're certainly uh, putting down some good foundations that will uh, hold us in good stead and uh, put us on a good path for sustainable growth. And as fans for the coming season, uh, what have we got to look forward to, Bruce? Uh, tell us the kind of game plan we're going to be playing. That's probably a question best reserved for the coach, but <laughs> on a broader, on a broader uh, uh, answer, I'm not going to tell you who's going to play where and what they're going to be doing, but... Um, you know, we, we're, we're there to play exciting football and we've got a team of young, uh, exciting, uh, attacking players, solid defence. We've, we've, we've um, increased the, the depth in, in our defence. Um, so we should be able to find a good balance between playing exciting, entertaining football um, with, with a lot of goals, as well as, uh, you know, having a strong defence that, that should uh, mitigate uh, counter-attacks and... and you know, uh, any risks that, that are posed from playing an attacking brand of football. And you're obviously uh, one of the club legends, um, the highest goal-scoring player for the Adelaide United side with 44 during your career. Talk us through the, the Bruce Chitte story there, mate. Um, How did you end up playing for Adelaide United then obviously going on to play overseas and representing your country as well? well that's a long story, <laughs> but in, in summation, um, I was at the AIS um, and John Cosmina came over to, to watch a few games. Uh, I think, I'm not sure if we were playing New Zealand or Japan. There was a little round robin at the time. And he asked myself and Nathan Burns to come on trial. He ended up picking Nathan Burns. But back then there was um, injury replacement players where you could come for four weeks at least till, till 
the, the squad player was recovered and then you had to go back. So I was back and forth between Adelaide and the AIS for, for multiple months. Um, eventually, if you keep banging on the door, knocking on the door, someone's going to give you a contract. And I was lucky enough to, to, to end up getting a contract and um, played here for, for a couple of years and then moved on to Turkey. Um, obviously, uh, played there for a few years. Uh, was part of the soccer roof set up for those few years also. Um, came back to the Gold Coast, played for a year. My, my, my initial um, uh, idea was to come back to Adelaide, obviously, but Nick Bianco just handed back the license at that time. It was a difficult time for the club. Um, so I went to Gold Coast for a year, then uh, came back to Adelaide, stayed here for an extended period, um, went to China on loan in between when the A-League season shifted, um, but stayed in Adelaide for an extended period till we won the Premiership and Championship double, also won an FA Cup on that journey, um, and then went off to South Korea for a couple of years and, and Indonesia to, to, to wrap it all up. And, you know, I'm very privileged and lucky to be, to be in this in this role as football director of, of the club I, I, I truly love. So um, that's the that's the summary, <laughs> brief one. Um, and uh, yeah, um, that's that's my story in, a, in my footballing story in a nutshell anyway. You've answered it very well. <laughs> and let's talk about the 2015-16 uh, season because what a season it was. Obviously not off to the great starts under Amor, um, but then just incredible scenes uh, seeing 50,000 plus people at the Adelaide Oval back in 2016 and, and seeing Adelaide United win their first ever championship. Um, what a thrill that must have been, Bruce. And uh, yeah, talk to us through how you guys did it. Oh, look, it was just, um, it was a momentum thing. You know, when we were in a rut, we got worse and worse and worse and worse. And all of a sudden, um, we pulled ourselves out of that, you know, quicksand, if you like. And, and once we're on the up, we just kept going up and up and up and up. Um, uh, it was a season, obviously, of, of ups and downs. Um, we had a very calm coach, which I think got us over the line in, at, at a crucial point. And the pressure was on and, and everyone was amped up. Yedmore was always the calming influence. He'd been there. He'd done it on the biggest stages in the world. Um, nothing flustered him. And nothing was a surprise to him. He was, he was very calm, very relaxed, great coach. And, um, you know, really steered us to success. But it was a great group, great team, you know, through the darkest moments in those early rounds when, you know, nothing was working for us. No one turned on each other. There was no bickering. There was no, um, you know, people just giving up and not pulling their weight. Everyone was trying hard. I mean, we probably tried harder earlier on in the season than, than what we were doing at the, at, the, at the back end when everything was happening automatically for us. So... Um, you know, it was a really tight-knit group, really good group, fantastic coaching staff as well. And we were a bit lucky as well. Um, but you need a bit of luck if you're going to win championships. And, you know, we, we worked extremely hard and had a very, very talented squad at that time. Talented squad of individuals and, and fantastic camaraderie and a great team. Yeah, I still remember being there and um, it was just unbelievable, the scenes, you know, seeing us win the championship. And like I mentioned before, the atmosphere as well was just something that's out of this world, Bruce. So so being a player, being a part of it would have been unreal, no doubt. Uh, before I let you go, I just wanted to ask you a couple of uh, quick ones. The best player that you've ever played with and against? Very hard. <laughs> you know, obviously Harry Kuehl was, was fantastic. Um, Mark Leduc was unreal. 
Like he was just so, so much better than anything. Like we've got no one close to him, you know, since he's come. You know? <laughs> like it was that good. Um, played against. There were two games. There's, there's, there's two games that really stand out for me. One was a Socceroos game against Holland in Holland. Uh, I think I played the last 20, 30 minutes. They, they, they were at a very high level, obviously, the Dutch team. And another one was when we played Mexico Olympic team um, in, in, uh, in Los Angeles um, for the Oli Roos. They were a really top team. Like, that game was so hard. Like, that was just so good. Um, they're the two that come top of, of mind. <laughs> and, and, you know, obviously, we played, you know, in Turkey, there was the Galatasaray's and the, the, the Fenerbahce's that, that obviously had squads full of top talent. Um, you know, and Postapoglu's Brisbane Raw, very hard to play against them. So, yeah, across the, the spectrum, there's been some, some pretty good teams I've played against in terms of individual players. Um, Del Pierre. Who played for Victory and Svansvik, who played for Mariners um, here in, in in Australia, were, were formidable defenders. Like I never enjoyed coming up against them. Obviously, internationally, you definitely say that you know Lucas Neal was a fantastic defender. You didn't want to come up against him in, in, in training, that's for sure. <laughs> um, so yeah, there's an array of talented players and, and teams that, that I've played with or, or, or against. And finally, I'll let you go in a moment. Just uh, finishing with this one, three famous people that you'd love to have dinner with, Bruce, would they be alive or dead? Questions oh, <laughs> are always hard. Look, I would say Cristiano Ronaldo. I would say Barack Obama. And I would say... Natasha Stott, this boy. <laughs> That's a random one to finish with. I like it. You've answered it very well. <laughs> hey, Bruce, uh, thank you so much for coming on for a chat on Legends with Bebo today. I really enjoyed it. Um, obviously, it's a tough time at the moment that you're going through, but you're doing a wonderful job yourself and the team, and we look forward to the season starting in a couple of weeks' time and, and go the Reds. <laughs> Sounds so good.